Now, Dan, you look, you do look pink. Yes. Now, but he's yes. pretty in pink. Yes, thank you. That's, that's what I was going for. Going for that 80s John but Hughes the, thing. And this isn't television anyway, is it? This is Gary Burke. This is Ed Gilroy. This is Stephen Bray. This is Dan Gilroy, and you're listening to MLVC, All Things Madonna, Louise, Veronica, Ciccone. <laughs> hey guys, it's Tony, and I will never be the same after talking to The Breakfast Club. Oh. <laughs> nice. Hey, nice. Hey everybody, this is Stefan. Yeah. Thanks for joining us for another episode of MLVC. We have a very special, supersized episode for you today with some very special guests. It was a treat to try to get them all on the podcast today at the same time. Please welcome Dan Gilroy, Ed Gilroy, Stephen Bray, and Gary Burke, otherwise known as Breakfast Club. Hello, gentlemen. Thank you for the sh- thank you for Hello. coming by today. Thank you for having us. Uh, For everyone listening today, you have missed quite possibly one of the most amazing hours of tech challenge in in your life. Uh, (laughs) Getting these guys on the show, it was a a hoot and holler. Uh, Unfortunately, we didn't record any of it for you, so you don't get to hear it. But uh, we're all here now. Um, Gentlemen, how's everyone doing today? Pretty good. Not bad. Real good. Hanging in there. A beautiful day here in New York. It Uh, is. Sunny and mildly overcast. We got something like that going on here in Studio City, California, too. Pretty nice. We are coast to coast here. Cloudy in Texas. Cloudy in Texas. That's good. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) At least your power grid is up. Yes, that's right. (laughs) Well, before we get started, uh, for everyone listening, Tony, do you want to give a a little bio just to give a background on Breakfast Club, even though everyone listening should know who you are? Absolutely. Yes, uh, this is... Huge for me. I grew up listening to the Breakfast Club cassette and uh, riding my skateboard all over my neighborhood the summer of 1986. And I just, you know, I wore it out, so I would need to get a new tape. But yeah, Breakfast (laughs) Club is an American music group that was formed in New York City in 1979. Their biggest single was the song Right on Track, which peaked at number seven on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 and was also remixed for a commercial release in a 12-inch version by John Jellybean Benitez and became a top 10 hit in the hot dance club play chart i mean that song just keeps going the group went through several lineups including one one in in which the lady of the hour madonna was the drummer as fate would have it madonna left the breakfast club to pursue her own solo career and by the mid-1980s the band consisted of gilroy's with dan exclusively on vocals ed provided guitars gary burke on bass and Stephen bray playing drums Band was nominated in the category of Best New Artist at the Grammys in 1988, and that success must have scared them off because they opted not to release any new music as a group until <laughs> this year. That's right, after 35 years of absence, we have The Breakfast Club reformed and released a new single called Could We Not Stop Dancing. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, Tony. Tony. That's a lovely introduction. Uh, So before we get to some questions, I just want to say we have never had this many guests on the show all at one time. So Breakfast Club is helping the MLVC podcast forge new pathways. So thank you for thank you for that. (laughs) Here we go. 
So yeah, so let, let's start at the very beginning. So, I mean, how did the Breakfast Club come together or come to be in New York City when it was the first original lineup? Uh, well, I mean, about uh, the synagogue here in Corona, where, where uh, you know, where Breakfast Club was first formed. Uh, let's see, I guess Dan and I were doing like a two-man show back in 78-ish, 77, 78, called Bill and Gill. And it was off-Broadway. Uh, and um, we were part of a, you know, a troupe there. And that was around the time that Madonna came to New York City, I think. And But Dan and I were living in the synagogue already for a couple of years. Dan was there even before I was. I remember we went to this theater for the new city where we were, where Dan and I had the performance. And Madonna came to that gig. Stefan, we were talking about this photo of her in the bathroom making herself up in this pink leotard. It's a pink mm-hmm. and black leotard. You know that photo? Yeah. So, With the black uh, hair, yeah. <clears throat> right. And uh, she wore that to this show. And I remember one of the guys in the cast saying to Danny, oh, I see you brought your grandmother to the show. You know, kind of like that <laughs> hilarious comment on, on this, you know, seductive outfit. Now, we had been friends before that day because she, uh, the photograph taken of her in that pink leotard was taken at the synagogue. Mm-hmm. So she was over there and we went to the show together. I don't think she was living with us at that time, Danny. Right, right, right. right I right. think you were just starting to to see her, and then she uh, she came in a little after that, towards the end of seventy uh, eight, I believe, is what it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so then that's when you kind of uh, officially had her move in here, around that okay. time, end of seventy eight, and so that's when. Anyway, she came in, and and this is when she first saw the drums, mm-hmm. right? The drums and the guitar and and. Uh, the whole, that whole kind well, of thing. Hint. Let me cut in. There was a hint that she was thinking about singing because a song had been released by an artist. I wrote it down. Patrick. Uh, Anita Ward. Oh. And Madonna oh. and I were walking toward the L train. To I was either seeing her off to go home or we were going to town for something. And she started to sing, You can ring my bell, ring my bell. You remember that song? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I would die. <laughs> and uh, it seemed like, oh, it was very, it was quite, her voice was like a, like a bell, like a very mm-hmm. clear and nice. And the first time I ever heard her sing. And that was well before she even started uh, playing drums. Did you ask her to be in a band or did she ask you if you wanted to be in her band? <laughs> Oh, no, 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 it wasn't like that. Dan and I had bands going for a couple of years uh-huh. before that. Gary and I and Dan and our friend Mike, we had a, a group called the Acme Band, and, and we played all around many different venues. And, and then uh, it was just Dan and me for a while, and at that point we didn't really have a band going. And so when uh-huh. Madonna came in, we started, I guess, generically playing – I guess, you know, uh, and uh, and then we decided to form a band because we want we like bands. I always like bands. Yeah. And the drums were right there. And, you know, we said, go sit on the drums. And I, I showed her a couple of beats with the feet and all, you know, just a rudimentary stuff. And she took to it immediately, of course. And we just for fun, we're kicking around. And then, hey, why don't we uh, 
get some gigs. Because it was like Disneyland here, you know? There were drums, there were guitars, there were amps, there were microphones, a PA system. The upstairs here in the synagogue is just totally open loft space. Um, And there's a couple of famous photos of Madonna in front of the, uh, it's called the uh, Aaron Kodesh, I think. Mm -hmm. He's good which uh, I used to call it an altarpiece, but I think it's the Aaron Kodesh. You know? And uh, actually, one of the photos has her wearing a uh, skull on top of her head. I don't know. Have you seen that? It's an upside-down skull. Mm-hmm. No? Okay. I don't know how we had a skeleton one. over here in the synagogue. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not <laughs> go there. But, but, there uh, so it was like, for her, it was, it, it was, uh, it was really a nice... Uh, but what did Steve, Steve think about it? What, what, what question did you have, Steve? Oh, my question was, did she start on the... It sounds like she started on the drums and not the guitar. Oh, uh, yeah, it was the drums, yes. The right. Carla Rebelli you, you, guitar but, later. But you taught her both instruments, right? Well, I showed her chords. I mean, you know, does anyone teach you how to strum? I mean, yeah. Yeah, I'll take some credit for that. Yeah. But yeah, really, it's you should. Self- I think you should. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like someone teaching you to swim or ride a bicycle. You you, you tend to do it yourself, right? You're talking someone to a non-swimmer. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think it's interesting that she was playing instruments for you because I think Madonna has a reputation from when she first started that she was not musically inclined. That you know the the, the myth is that well, Madonna was being built by other people, but you know, as we know, you know, a, a look or a hook might get you in the room, but it doesn't keep you there. So clearly Madonna was pulling her weight in the band. She wasn't just being a pretty face. Absolutely. Oh, no, no, no. I could, I could play you hours of rehearsal and, and going yeah. over drum parts. Uh, I, I, I got a thing in which they're going over the back end of a song, you and her, and could we do it again and again and again and again and again. And uh, there's, you know, that wanting to get it perfect, and I think. She, you when know, she we got we to... did rehearse a lot. She, you know, it was like, uh, I don't know, it was like an intensive uh, crash course over here. Mm-hmm. And we weren't and... stern taskmasters the way a Stephen Bray would do it a seventh time just to get it right (laughs) i like like rehearsing what can i say i do love rehearsing (laughs) madonna went on to keyboards eventually after the drums and the guitar i think dan bought a farfisa organ or something like that and uh yeah we got a bunch of songs she took to that well too so she Mm -hmm. she i think she grew up in Suburban Detroit, and I think Motown was a big part of her her, her musical knowledge base, yeah. perhaps. Agreed. And how did she change the dynamic of the band? Because obviously, you know, before her, I'm sure she came along with a lot of ideas. <laughs> well, not really in the beginning, I would say, because um, she was the drummer. It was Dan and me on guitars, Madonna on drum, and Angie Schmidt on bass. That was the first Breakfast Club. Mm-hmm. And um, so th- that was that. And I think maybe Madonna came out for two songs or something in the beginning. I, I yeah, guess Danny Trouble, had trouble and yeah. a couple of songs. 
Yeah. Well, the first one was a little 30-second song that I wrote for her. Oh, that right. Moving along, moving along, so move it along. late tonight. How my can fly. Yeah, it's nice. And uh, just a quick little thing. She'd come off the drums to sing that and then go back on the drums. But then she wrote, uh, what'd she write? Uh, Tell the Truth. Tell the Truth. Oh, my God. And mm-hmm. also... Uh, yeah. Safe again neighborhood. And over and over, again and again, over and yeah. over. Flower, and then we oh, all yeah, wrote. I, tr- I think we wrote Trouble. Yeah, right. Trouble was a good one. Yeah. But that um, moving along, that's a great song. I re- I remember every word to that song because oh. you rehearse it a thousand times and you never. <laughs> <laughs> and we played it as a band at that uh, what was that club? Phil Lynn's the utility uh, Yankee infielder opened a club. Oh, uh, somewhere in the fifties, maybe, and we played that. And did you? Three. It was a packed, but there wasn't any response to anything we played that day. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing, zero. Like Here you are. People would come up and say, "Wow, we love you guys. You were great," but there was no response. It was the weirdest gig ever. Oh wow! I think that was our first thing we did with Madonna. It might have been. How did we end up at Phil Lynn's? Just is that yeah. like now there are sports bars back then? I mean, Phil Lynn's was a professional baseball player, and so that was like a it was like an original sports bar or something. How did we hey. get that gig? I don't, know. I don't know. What was your connection? Did he? I don't think he paid us. Did he pay us? I don't remember. Hey, Steve, you knew Madonna before she came to New York. That's right. That's right. Yeah, nine. Yeah, U of M, Ann Arbor, Michigan. Yeah, and so, fact, but and and back then, so was was there musical inclinations, or was she more of a like a dancer kind of a thing? What do you definitely dancer poet? I think she was writing poetry too, but okay. um, uh, yeah, because I remember when she left Michigan in seventy seven, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, she gave me a phone number, and it turns out I, I recognize now it's the synagogue's phone number. Mm. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah. I used to call and and I think Dan, that's before I knew you guys, and Dan would answer and go, Who's this guy calling? <laughs> <laughs> that would have been that would have been seventy nine eighty, I think. Do you remember the number? Yeah, six <laughs> was, it, was it a seven one eight number? Seven one eight, seven one eight. You hear hear that everybody? <laughs> yeah. Ed, you're gonna be getting a lot of crank phone calls. I'll bleep it out. I'll bleep it out. Okay. <laughs> I've got to leave the area code off. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Madonna fans would try all the all the area codes. They'd look mm-hmm. up New York area codes. Right. <laughs> so when did when did um, Madonna get the idea to call Steven to come to New York and join the band? Did it happen like that, or was it another like? No, that was when she wanted. Once she got the singing bug, she wanted her own band. She called up Steve thinking this this guy knows what he's doing well not exactly i think there was already a version of that band with gary right gary and mike Mike, gary and and mike from the acme band and he was the drummer so he went back to drumming and madonna took her rather rudimentary knowledge of guitar like bar chords and stuff and she was pumping out songs she was writing songs and so we had that we called it Madonna in the Sky, and we, we only played one gig at a place called the 80s on East 86th Street, Upper East Side. And uh, yeah, that, that was really we the went there. I was there, I think. Oh, yeah? I remember that place. How about that? Um, <clears throat> and I called her, actually, because I was planning to move to New York in the summer of 1980, and I Ooh. called her to say, hey, do you know any musicians? Because oh. I'm, you know, I'm going to come there pretty much broke and hungry so yeah yeah introduced me to some players and it turned out that mike you know was had just left the band and she she said she said i have a band now i didn't even know she was doing music she said i have a band now and i need a drummer so this is (laughs) perfect timing yeah that's that's what happened i remember the i thought that 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 call convinced you to come to new york i didn't know you already had that in mind no, I was I was playing. I had tried to convince the whole band I was in back in Michigan to come, and one by one, everybody pretty much dropped out. Oh, and so I was on my own when I got there. And I remember the first day meeting you, Gary, and yeah. Madonna in front of the sure. music building there on Eighth Avenue, Thirty Eighth Street. And I yes. was really impressed with those songs that she'd written. Right. Oh, good. And I was yeah. she. Uh, I remember hearing about you. She was very excited that yeah. this guy that I knew from Ann Arbor. He, uh, he came to town, and I think you were dancing outside of a Talking Heads concert or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Central Park. Yeah, in yeah. New York, at the, at the Central, in Central Park, because they played. It was this amazing week that I happened to show up. Ooh. Roxy Music, The Pretenders, Ooh. B-52s, oh uh, and Talking Heads all played the rink there. Yeah. Oh, wow. It was I amazing. Remember. We didn't always yeah. have tickets, but you could hear. Yeah, you could hear it. You could you stand could outside it. the thing and... So yeah, and she said, "I had the best time dancing with this Steve." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Steve in New York. That's yes, it. he was very impressed. I remember. He said, "Detroit is big, but this is really big." <laughs> <laughs> but then, um, and then that sort of so, and then we were sort of simultaneous for a while, or were we ever, or 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 maybe she went solo, and then I joined Breakfast Club. That seems like the chronology, yeah. right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. We uh, we played in the band called Emmy, which played at Max's Kansas City once. And this a person from the music building, Camille Barboni, I think her name was, and uh, she signed Madonna because that was a very successful gig. The crowd really got into it, stuff like that. And then everybody else's days were numbered, though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everyone yeah, was like, I, "I want you. I want you, Madonna." I'll give you she she got a studio apartment on the Upper West Side and she had access to a studio that Camille had in her 
on her floor of the music building. So it was pretty tempting. And there was never a time, Gary, that Emmy was playing at the same time I was playing in Breakfast Club, or was that completely separate? No, they were separate, yeah. as a matter of fact. I see. In fact, I, see. Uh, I bought the I bought the cassette of Dan and Ed's latest songs, and you overheard me playing them. We were living in the music building, I think, at that time, practically. I had been kicked out of my apartment. And, um, and you overheard me learning those songs because I had, there was no Emmy anymore. So I was like, hey. And uh, you liked the songs, as I remember. Yeah, it was the same thing. Same thing was one of those songs, right? Yeah, yeah, I love that song too. The same thing. Right, same thing. Um, same thing, and maybe the other one was, there was a couple songs, it was the same thing, and it was either Labor of Love or yeah. Whole Other Way, but I remember loving those songs and thinking, yeah. if you guys need a drummer, I'm in. I remember you saying, like, hey, Gary, what are you listening to there? Sounds pretty good. Why, you know, why, why, haven't, our... why haven't you asked me to... So were those just drum machines, Dan? You were probably just, do, do, just recording guitar and vocals to a drum machine? I don't know. Dan's a great drummer, so he we might have. You think it, you think we would we would have done live drums on the recording? I think. Yeah. Oh, that's true. I you had a four so. track. You had a four track back in those days. A so. funny thing did happen with interviews we've had over the years, mm-hmm. uh, where people would say, "Oh, we want to interview the band," and then they'd give us a question about the band, and about the third question, they'd start with the Madonna stuff, which made us figure. <laughs> Mm, this is why we're here. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I want to know. I want to know about um, how you guys restructured as a band post Emmy, and then you got your first record deal with Z Records, and then how did that turn into an MCA deal? And then you know how you guys. Was Kate Hyman was at uh, Danceteria and saw us do a gig, and I think that got Z Records involved. Michael Zilka. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the time, was not was was one of his uh, Michael Zilka's uh, bands. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Kid Creole, Kid Kid Creole and the Coconuts Kid was on Creole, Z Records. Yeah. Yeah. We all know. Uh, we all know what the happened. Waitresses mm-hmm. they, were they on too? Yep. Oh, Wasn't I uh, think so? Was Lydia Lunch on there too? Lydia Lunch. Yep. And yep. Christina. We all and know Christina. Christina. I think Michael was married to Christina for a while. He was. That's right. Do you know what happened to Kid Creole? No. What happened no, to Kid Creole? Gary? <laughs> he's in he's in jail for murder. Wow. Well, you know, he had that persona. <laughs> <laughs> he did have that persona. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't believe it when I read it. It only happened a wow. few months ago, right? August yeah. August Darnell is his name. August Darnell. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah, but it was great. Those were that Michael signed us or Kate signed us to see uh, on the strength of that show, which was very, very different than the record that we ultimately made for True. MCA, when because by the time, well, we we made a bunch of recordings for Z, some of which we're, you know, trying to get out. You know, I think Rico Mambo recently was one of the ones from that original recording mm-hmm. uh, that we kind of reconstituted and, and remastered, uh, and then the, I think there was the advent of drum machines and sequencers that, mm-hmm. you know, someone shall, who shall yeah. be nameless, someone in the band became really enamored with. Yeah. And that kind of modified the sound a little bit and sort of 
pulled it away from the really cool punky American punk that it was. True. And shifted it more towards, um, you know, Danceteria. Well, because I and I'm gonna just jump in real quick. That was one of the things that I found most interesting about the evolution of the band, less to do with who was sort of in the band comings and goings, but it was more to do with the sound of the band, where I felt like in the very early days, it had a very organic instrument type of sound to it, where it was like, you could tell people were playing live instruments and not that you weren't afterwards, but it did sort of move and shift and the sound sort of evolved into something a bit more and i don't i i use the word electronic but it it, it didn't sound as if like you could be doing that on a on an actual drum no and i was gonna add i could i could hear a lot of motown in the new iteration of the band um and there was a lot of like you know r&b going on as well yeah which which you know in retrospect i sort of wish we'd been able to keep some of the older sound, you know, and sort of blend it in a way that both of those things could coexist because I just remember how much pleasure I got playing drums in the, in the, in the band during the early days, because it was just really, like you say, it was super organic and super raw. And uh, Dan used to play guitar solos with a drumstick, if I recall, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which was pretty unique. I'd never seen that. It had a great sound. It was like, <laughs> so did well did done, the man. success of something like right on track did that sort of irrevocably sh- shift how the band was going to then come out as a band where it's like okay so this is the most successful song that we've had now this is the direction we have to continue with i i feel like it had already began to shift although the the recordings we made for z records were kind of a mixture because we had eddie's last number one hit which was a really is a really cool song, which one day we'll see the light of day again, I'm sure. We had Don't Forget, which was a, you know, I think that was maybe the hybrid, because Don't Forget started to get, started to lean towards the Motown just mm-hmm. slightly. And, um, yeah, yeah. but it managed, it, to, it, was, it managed to be rock and Motown somehow at the same time, which is mm-hmm. cool. I think, uh, and then, you know, we did a bunch of work for Z, and, you know, Tongue Tied came out of that. Mm-hmm. I think there's a version of Standout, which we're actually, we just finished remastering. So we're going to get, that'll, that'll come out hopefully in a couple of weeks. We had to walk yeah. it off on Z, right? Yeah. Really? Walk it off That's in Rico right. Rombo. Yeah. That's right. Which is. Which and then, so, and then Z basically, I, I, you know, I don't know if this is true, but sometimes I feel, I wake up screaming thinking, I think we spent <laughs> every last penny that the label had and they had literally closed we shut them down i think because <laughs> they ran out of money i don't know if that's true but then we sort of laid were we dormant or were we still playing anyway we must have been playing gigs because kate well no because kate signed us off of that the kiss homemade tell. video we made yeah, yeah. The kiss and tell video which is and to answer you, now. yeah and to answer your question yeah, uh right. I think, Dan, I feel like I started just playing you little beats and things. And, I, I, you know, I, I didn't, I don't think it was a conscious change of sound. I feel like you just kind of had this natural crooner, you know, mel- melodic 
knack for Ooh. for making what we what became, I guess, R and B synth pop. I don't know what you call it. Mm. Yeah, and I loved your tracks. It was so clear and pristine and and just uh, beautiful. And I used to put on some head uh, headset and listen to the tracks while going into the park and walking or or yeah. jogging. And uh, you know, up, thing, coming things up with melodies. Occur. Melodies would would, yeah. would occur. Excellent. Excellent. You know, yeah, about Rico Mambo, that the Z Records Rico Mambo somehow got let loose in the Philippines and yeah. it became like, uh, I don't know, have you, have you ever seen, there are thousands of videos of people dancing to Rico Mambo on YouTube. And, and they're, they're kind of, they're doing the chicken dance. They do the chicken dance. It was on Big Brother of the Philippines. They had, remember, there was like those 500 prisoners d dancing to Rico Mambo. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. I, I remember seeing that years ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's well, wedding, just, wedding receptions, birthday parties. Oh, it's like it's it's some kind of bizarre national phenomenon. Has the, <laughs> breakfast club, has the breakfast club gone to the Philippines to like we cash want in to. on this? Yeah, I've yeah. always wanted to. <laughs> Let's talk about a little bit about how uh, you guys signed with MCA, and uh, we can also shoehorn in some talk about the new single too. Kind of like where we were and how we got there, you know. We, we were uh, getting we, signed at MCA. Yes. Uh, it was in the wake of Z Records, mm -hmm. wasn't it? Yeah. And Kate went from Kate got hired by was it Irving Azoff that hired Azoff. Kate? Yeah. yeah, we kind of. That was we had a wonderful breakfast with Irving back, but I don't think we knew just how. Did you guys know well, we, just we, how monst monstrously I, huge he was no, at the time? No, uh, no, yeah. no, not at the I, time. No. I think I think I knew he was. I feel I think, ridiculous. I think I had heard that he was managing the Eagles and 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 uh, Fleetwood Mac. I think that's <laughs> yeah. that's how he became president of MCA through his managerial ex uh, expertise, <laughs> and he we continues also, to loom. Large, does he? Two, mean, two of the people I, I, who were I like A and R at Z Records after Z Records went down. Yeah. One, Andy Furman, went to Capitol Records, right. and Kate Hyman went to MCA Records, and right. so they both knew of us, and they both liked us a lot, and so there was a bit of a thing between Capitol Records, MCA Records, Capitol Records, MCA, and that was fun because. Each one was kind of like being very nice to us and flying us out and taking us to hotels and putting us in, you know, having us for dinner and things like that. Do you re recall that? Uh, Definitely. Yeah, yeah. That was one of the the funniest times. <laughs> I, think, I think Irving, though, for me, Irving sold me on MCA, though, because he was, like, like Gary yeah, said, he's he legendary. And he said, you guys are going to be our band of the year. He said that. You're going to be our band of the year. I was working at, uh, we did a hand-painted uh, fabric for the couture trade. I had a business with uh, some partners. And Madonna worked there for a while. She didn't like it, so she quit. <laughs> uh, but I got a call from Irving Azoff one day and saying, we want to sign you guys. And boy, that was, what a game changer that was. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. At, at that point, I knew who he was. He was like... <laughs> but but I think the key was the selling point was that basically homemade video we did of of Kiss and Tell, which which I don't is that you say it is on the internet because I remember it's, that it's definitely yeah, up now. It's, 
I don't That's know right. how it's it gets called, up there, but it's there. It's, yeah. it's the full disclosure. Yeah, we 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 paired it with the full what we call the full disclosure mix of Kiss and Tell, and um, we shot that right here. And some of it, uh, some of it in <laughs> in my place in New York, I think. Right? I feel like we were in my living room for a minute there. Oh yeah, okay. Might have been. I, th- I remember because gar- because we brought garbage cans and yeah, garbage bags. You remember that? Yes, yes, I do. Sorry, yeah. guys. It was multiple right. locations. Multiple locations. Ed Gilroy brings his own sound effects to a podcast. It's fine. <laughs> right? it's a soundboard. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. And the best so, thing about doing that homemade video back then, there was a camera where you could keep the sound and cut in different. Uh, video shots while the sound which really didn't happen after that and maybe i don't know if it's but it made it so easy to make a homemade video without a whole lot of complicated edits that's right you could dub in the sound on top of the action well the sound stayed there we played the track and then you could just if you did something you didn't like you could just do something else right over it until it looked good and keep the sound yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's up on YouTube now. Yeah, and then uh, you know, I think, and then Jimmy Ivan came uh-huh. into our lives, which which yeah. was really exciting for me because I knew I knew a little bit about him having done. I think he'd already made. I don't know if he had already made the Stevie Nicks record or not. I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, but that was you know we were crazily impressed with that, and I don't th- you know he kind of introduced us to a a whole nother grade of studios and. Mm-hmm. You know, he kind of opened the door to like, well, if you want, you know, if you want some funky keyboards, hire Bernie Worrell from Parliament Funkadelic, which was <laughs> fantastic for us to have him come and play clavinet on Right on Track. Oh, and good, um, yeah. and then, you know, Jocelyn Brown, which who, who yeah. I knew from Amazing. my Jelly Bean days, I knew Jocelyn Brown, you know, having her sing on Right on Track was just you know, excellent. Yeah, Those background so vocals are so good. It's almost yeah. like something that the Stones would have in Gimme Shelter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. It was really magical, and we were so blessed to have her on that <laughs> on that recording. So would you say that, uh, you know, uh, MCA and the record industry, I mean, the record company heads, would, did they leave you guys alone, or did you guys get a lot of notes? No, we don't think, uh, I don't remember getting a lot of notes at all. I think Jimmy just – I think Jimmy kind of had – carte blanche with yeah. his rep, the reputation he had at the time and and then we did some tracks with howie rice too right mm-hmm. remember mm-hmm. howie you guys sure, okay. sure. howie had had some big hits with the pointer sisters and we thought that might be a good blend um but they left us alone i don't even think i don't even remember getting note the only song they gave us notes and on, on the mix was right on track which i think we wound up mixing four or five times before we came up with what you what the you know the final at least yeah that was a lot of work <laughs> on that one. Yeah. which is why it cost of what eighty thousand bucks to make that song <laughs> something crazy something crazy by the time by the time it was, it was done it was, it was worth <laughs> every penny but another ah. thing too uh when you guys signed with mca you, <laughs> you started producing these incredible videos i used to see all of them on mtv and um like for example the right on track video was so witty and, and cute I mean, like Jeff? Angeline. Angeline showed up in it. I mean, tell us a little bit about, like, what kind of budgets did they give you, and 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 what was it like making all those videos? We were lucky enough to be in the heyday of music videos, so yeah. mm-hmm. they were just a marketing tool. Yeah. Yeah. People could make short films for what we were spending on those videos. You could make a, you could easily make a short film, uh, or even a full length feature. For, <laughs> you know, 
I feel I feel like Kiss and Tell video was like a hundred grand, hundred twenty five grand, something like that. And uh, but Jeff Stein, you know, we, we adore them. Jeff. Yeah, he was great. Who was, was our director on that? He was our director on Right on Track, Kiss and Tell, just Rico those two. Mambo. Oh, Rico, Rico Mambo, Rico that's Mambo. right. Yeah. yeah, and um, we were flown to uh, Martha's Vineyard. Flown to that Martha's was when it really got to be fun for me making those videos. I, I had a really good time <laughs> doing that. Yeah. And I remember Jeff on Martha's Vineyard saying, uh, talking about Huey Lewis, he, a video I did. He said, I made so much blanking money off of those guys. He was costing, we were paying the same amount. You know, we, yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? Then we did, uh, then we did, uh, I don't even remember who directed Never Be the Same. I don't remember who that was. <clears throat> Billy something? No, no. What'd you say? Billy something? Billy? No, well, Bill Fishman did uh, Drive My Car. Oh. That was Bill Fishman and Preacher. But I don't remember who didn't ever be the same, which is one of my favorites, actually. Hmm. Did that Sam and Dave thing? No. That was mm, Billy? I don't know. I don't, I don't remember. But, but I remember we got... We oh, kind of got our own way on never be the same because they. The, the, to answer your other question, I think the label left us alone until the <laughs> until we made the second album. <laughs> then they really <laughs> left us alone. <laughs> and the theme was uh, now and then then and and then after when we're much older, which I'm right now the same, I look younger in the video as an old person. Than I, I know <laughs> we can make that for we can make that for real now. I think we should. Maybe we should. <laughs> and the background singers in Never Be the Same and Dia Davenport. Uh, yeah. I, I forget uh, yeah. a, couple, a couple of the other. Uh, yeah. yeah, and Dia went on to you know be Brand New Heavies, which I'm sure brand everybody. Heavies, yeah. uh, so good. Fans of this podcast probably know Brand New Heavies, and if they don't, they should. They should. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. And she was one of the chickens. And right on track, you know, uh, the, part of the set design was Allie Willis. Am I right, right. on that? Yeah, that's, that's yeah. right. May she may she rest in may peace. May she rest our, in peace. Yeah. Our good friend yeah. Allie Willis. Yeah, we're celebrating Allie tomorrow. Actually, well, it's going to not tomorrow for the people listening to the podcast, but on September twenty one, which she sings about in September, mm -hmm. Earth, Wind, and Fire. That we're we're having a big celebration for her tomorrow. The twenty first oh, nice. day of September. Yeah. That's so yeah. great. Yeah, she she wrote some amazing songs, and uh, I've met several people in my lifetime that have known her, and they just they they talk about her parties and how legendary they were. In. Yeah, yeah, she's one of a kind for sure. And didn't she co-write uh, for the color purple? For yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, I was so impressed with her from that set for Right on Track that I, I just stayed friends with her for you know, forever. Yeah. So how did it come about for you guys to cover the Beatles? Because uh, that's no small task, you know. <laughs> I don't. Uh, that might have been. I'm. I'm what, thinking. Was it for the? It was particularly for the movie, I believe. Yeah, right. and that yeah. that means it was probably Kathy Nelson's idea. I have oh, a feeling. Okay. Because okay. she was the MCA, you know, soundtracks person at the time, and and um, I feel like I don't remember. Was it? It wasn't our idea to do that particular song, was it? I mean, obviously the movie was called License to Drive, so it seemed I, like. It, the yeah, it was fit. probably their idea to do it. I think. Yeah, yeah. So hearing the song recently, I thought this actually would have been probably better placed in "Who's That Girl" than this, uh, <laughs> you know, fluffy teen <laughs> comedy. Just, just the way that you know it would fit with all the other 
all the other music and the score as well. But yeah, this song was really great. It was really fun. I remember it got played on the radio a lot and the video was always on. And then suddenly it's just like impossible to find. But um, this, I guess, kind of went into your second album's production. And, you know, I mean, this happened a lot to a lot of artists in the 80s where, you know, uh, things don't get released. But is there any, are there any standouts from the second album's production and, and any any chance we'll get to hear any of those or are those locked up in the MCA vault? Well, no, some of those you can hear on the collection we did called percolate. Oh, okay. That That's on um, Spotify. You can hear can't put my finger on it, which was part of that intended for a second album. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Mirage, I think Mirage is on there. That's a Gary song. That's, that's true. It's a that's song a- called hello court of love. Yeah, I think there's at least there's five songs yeah. from that set of recordings. Anytime is up there as well. Yeah, there's top so the we're in top of the world as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. so we're working. You know, we're still kind of trying to put together some of the old um, demos and things to to mm-hmm. to to really put a complete uh, collection out there. In fact, uh, we haven't talked about this that much yet, Eve. But I we're coming up on our forty year anniversary of that album so i'm thinking that we should try to have everything we've ever recorded you know just yes. somehow breakfast re- club box set reconstitute <laughs> it and get it and get it and make it available for the people that like us so yeah let's, let's talk about let's talk about you guys reforming and releasing a new single and where that's going to take you as a band uh going forward well Dan, i'm take that? just say that i love doing the work in the way we're working where the last one, Steve sent the track here to Texas. I did this and uh, did some singing and went to New York for harmonies and the second verse Eddie wrote. It's a great way to work. And mm-hmm. for one thing, in a studio, there's some pressure to get it right. And there's a, there's a producer and there's a, a guy on the board. And, you know, uh, yeah, that, that one's good. That one's good. But at home, I could do some 70 times till I get the one that, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I love. Also, you know, they came, it kind of was born, I think COVID, you know, kind of keeping us all locked down yeah, for so mm-hmm. long. It really, I just wanted to like connect again. You know, it was so, it just felt like we've, we've, a lot of bands don't even talk to each other, <laughs> you know, five years later, let alone 35 years later. Yeah. So, yeah. so I was really happy about the <laughs> fact that, <clears throat> you know, I think we, I think we, we have a, we have an amazing person who, who likes, who kind of takes care of us in a way in terms of social media, uh, uh, Anthony in London. And, and I think we were, we did a zoom with him hmm. and I think, and that really inspired me to like, let's do something together. Let's, let's, mm-hmm. let's, and maybe, maybe the song's even about, you know, staying connected. And, um, yeah. but Dan's right. It was really, it's great to include everybody and kind of do this round robin process. So I hope mm-hmm. we get to do it again soon. And the technology is there. That's, that's the amazing yeah. thing. Uh, even though it may take an hour on the phone with you, Steve, to get <laughs> things <laughs> to get the Chrome browser. You thought this right. was hard getting it together? <laughs> you know, what, what, you know, Turned what out system well. do you have? Is, is it? Yeah. I love exactly. the I love the way that could we not stop dancing turned out. I really did. 
Yeah, and, and it's, it's great, and, it, right? and it reflects everybody, like Dan said. I, I really love that. And it's great not to, have to play for stu- pay for studio time. Also, I mean, <laughs> I, it used to be what one hundred fifty dollars an hour. I don't. I can't imagine what it is now. Jeez. Yeah, it's. I don't even want well, to know. But I think we're, you know, the technology, like Ed's saying, it's like it makes it possible to do it. Look at Billie Eilish. You know, she did her yeah. whole album in her in the bedroom there. Right. Five well, exactly. It's like at a time when you Is know. It? a time in the life where we're being kept apart because of COVID and whatnot, it actually forces us to become a bit more experimental in how we create. And it actually can be sometimes a good result. I I mean, I love the new song. I think it's really great. I was so happy to hear that you guys had put out a new track. And I, I thought what most astounded me was how it sort of just, inherently sounded like breakfast club music. It, it, yes, yes. Even though it was it had been 35 years, it still sounded so fresh and so current and so you, which yeah, I, I love. You could hear Dan's voice so clearly and it just like it's like you picked up right where you left off. Exactly. Nice. I love that. I agree. Maybe um, that should be the name of the second album, right where we left off. Hey, hey I like it. Give us credit. creative consultants Um, look i know that we've already gone over time and we meant to uh to be talking for hours i want to give you some of your day back Uh, but before we go there was a little yeah i think think it's time for my favorite part of the podcast (laughs) yes on on our show we like to do a little segment we call the lightning round these questions are madonna related so they should be pretty easy to answer they're just meant to be off the top of your head i'm going to ask each of you one question and without thinking too hard give me give me what comes right to your mind so ed favorite madonna song uh trouble oh Nice. 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 Uh, Nicely done. Dan, what is your favorite Madonna music video? Uh, Maybe Papa Don't Preach. Uh, Yeah. It's a good one. It's a good one. Cinematic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Gary, I don't know if you've seen Madonna on tour. Have you seen Madonna on tour? Yes, at the. in New Jersey, in the Meadowlands or whatever it was called. Okay. Brendan Byrne Arena. Brendan Byrne Arena. What, do you have a favorite Madonna tour that you've possibly seen? That's the only one I've saw. I've seen. Which one? Uh, blonde something or other. Um, the Blonde Ambition <laughs> tour. Yeah, yeah, that Blonde something or other. Blonde something or other. Oh, that show. That little show. <laughs> Where she, was, she had a big bed out there. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Doing she, some naughty things. She had the famous bra. Uh-huh. Yes. Steven, uh, favorite Madonna movie? Uh, uh, desperately seeking Susan. Easily. Yeah, it's sure. classic. It's classic. Yeah. I mean, and rumor has it you wrote a song for that film. I th- that might be skewing my vote. Well, guys, thank you so much for for taking the time out of your day to do this. This has been an You're absolute so honor. Yes. Um, we we loved having you. Can you tell everyone where to find Breakfast Club online? I think we're anywhere you can stream music, uh, Spotify, Amazon. Uh, I don't know the names of all of them, but at least those and, two. And, <laughs> and you, probably, you, probably all of them. A lot of YouTube. Yeah, they're all over YouTube as well. I mean, uh, yeah. And are, are, you on, are you on social at all? 
Yeah, we are. Yeah, please follow us on. I think I don't know what it, the name is, but it's probably Breakfast Club Official or something like we'll, that. We'll we'll tag you up. We'll, oh, we'll thank you. Sure. Yeah, we'll because make, we'll make sure everyone can find you. If people can follow us, they'll hear the new stuff as it comes out, and you know any video materials we find, we'll we'll keep uploading stuff. Awesome. You guys, and, uh, you you do a good show, you two guys. Uh, yeah, thank you guys for yeah, having us. So nice. Oh, thank you, thank very you, well thank you. Now this has been very exciting for me. Like I said, I mean. You know, you grew up uh, listening to records and, you know, going to buy the Right on Track 12-inch and getting excited about it. And then here we are talking to you guys. So this is great. Thank you. Everyone listening, please go follow Breakfast Club. Go stream. Go go watch. Uh, They're they're great music. It's great videos. Um, Just remember, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at MLVC Podcast. If you want to donate to the podcast, we're on Venmo at MLVC Podcast. Or if you want to become a subscriber, check us out on Patreon, patreon.podbean.com forward slash MLVC Podcast. This has been a fantastic interview. Breakfast Club, we love you guys. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. All right. See you guys soon.